we continue with our expository series through the book of Titus. This afternoon we find ourselves in chapter 3. We will be considering the first two verses. I'm going to read the whole chapter. Titus chapter 3. Hear the inspired word of God. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Atimas or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenas the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. That is God's word. I'm going to Make a prayer and then we will consider verses 1 and 2. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have the privilege of hearing your word this afternoon. And oh, what a privilege it is indeed. We plead with you that you may open our eyes to pertinent matters in your word. Remember your word to your servants in which you have made us to hope in. This is our comfort in our afflictions. Your promises give us life. The insolent do not know this. Those who hate you do not cannot understand this. Grant that we would not be like that 
that turning away from your law would not be our character. Grant that we would take comfort in your rules, your statutes. Keep us from forsaking your law. May your statutes be our songs. May we remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. Grant that blessings would fall upon us by keeping your precepts. We are your people, Lord. Thus then, we, we live by your commands. Help us now to see them and to be willing to submit to them. To the praise and glory of your name. Help me as I communicate to be simple, to be clear. Grant clarity of thought, fervency, fluency of expression, that your name may be glorified and that your people may be edified. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you happen to get a green card so that you are allowed to move to the United States, there is a high probability that you will be a citizen of two countries, what people call dual, dual, dual citizenship. Christians have dual citizenship. They are citizens of this world for a time, but then their true citizenship is in heaven where God is. And thus then, the Christian is always, should always be longing to go home where God is. As a Christian, you should be heavenly minded. And this is without question. We should all be thinking about heaven. Always. This world is not our home. We are but sojourners here. We should look forward with joy to the day when Christ, our life, will appear. We should wait for our blessed hope. The apostle tells us there. Look with me at Titus chapter 2, verse 13. It says, We should be waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us. That's how the Christian should be living. But then, the text that we are considering this afternoon bids that we must never forget that we are placed on this earth by God, our God. And thus then we have our duties here on earth. William Hendrickson says here, quote, Titus must remind them of this in order that at all times they may be good citizens and good neighbors. End quote. This afternoon, I'd like to bring you a sermon that I've titled The Faithful Christian's Conduct in a Dying World. The Faithful Christian's Conduct in a Dying World. And I'd like you to consider that this world is dying. It's passing away. Now, why, why does God give us commands on how to live in this world? 
two reasons. He gives us commands on how to live in this world. Number one, so that we may glorify Him. So that we may exalt His name, praise Him always. And number two, so that we may be faithful gospel witnesses. That we may live in such a manner that when people look at us, they're drawn more and more to Him. The Christian is called to be faithful in this dying, passing world. And he's not called to be faithful in a passive way. There are directions on how exactly that faithfulness looks like. And part of what we are considering this afternoon is what entails this faithfulness. There are two things that I'd like us to consider for the sake of the text before us. Number one, the Christian's conduct towards the authorities. And number two, the Christian's conduct towards everyone else. The Christian's conduct towards the authorities. And number two, the Christian's conduct towards everyone else. So the faithful Christian's conduct in a dying world should look a certain way towards the authorities, as Paul grants Timothy. And it should also look a certain way towards everyone else, as Paul is going to tell us there. Number one, the Christian's conduct towards the authorities. Look with me at verse 1 there. The apostle says, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. Now, the apostle begins there by telling Titus to remind the saints how they ought to conduct themselves. Now, he has spoken in chapter 1 of how the church should look like, especially how the church should be governed. He has uh, brought us in chapter 2 and given us the conduct of people in the church, the conduct of the saints in the church. Um, how old men should look like, how old women, how young men and young women, how servants should look like in the church. And then now, he comes to, uh, to this third chapter and tells us how we should live in the world with others. And he begins there by saying, remind them to be submissive. The word remind that the apostle begins with there implies that the apostle may have given these instructions before. You remember when we were going through uh, chapter 1 verse 3, the apostle says, verse 5 rather, he says, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders. So it's as though the apostle was there with Titus. And now, as he has left him, he calls him to, to put things into order. Now, here in chapter 3, when he begins with the word, remind them, he's saying there, there are things that, you know, I, I taught when I was there, when we were together. Then he says, remind them these things. So they are to be reminded of these truths that they may have heard before. And are prone to forget. Notice that as well. When something is to be reminded, or when we are to, to be reminded of something constantly, it's because we are prone to forget things. So that when we are taught, we need to be taught again and again. Therefore the Apostle says there, remind them. And what is this that they are to be reminded of? They are to be reminded of how to conduct themselves as far as the authorities are concerned. They are to be reminded... You see there, to be submissive 
to rulers and authorities. There are those whom God has vested with authority. This that he calls rulers and authorities. In Romans chapter 13 verse 1, this same apostle says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 13 verse 1. He is therefore requiring Titus to remind the Cretans of this matter because the rulers and authorities are there by the institution of God himself. God is the one that has placed them there and therefore they are to be reminded to submit to them. The conduct of the Christian towards the authorities ought to be one of submission, subjection to them. The conduct of the Christian towards the authorities speak of their conduct towards God. The conduct of the Christians towards the authorities speak of their conduct towards God. Because God is the one that has instituted the rulers and the authorities. And the apostle is saying here that the Christians should be reminded to be submissive to rulers and authorities. Now, how does this look practically? You may be asking. And it's, it's not complicated. You ought to pay your taxes. Rendering to Caesar that which belongs to Caesar. You ought to do honest business as the authorities require. Not, not, uh, not doing illegal business. Generally, what this command is requiring you is to keep the law of the land. Because the authorities have been vested with that power, they have given certain laws, and the Christian is called to keep the law of the land. Now, I must say here quickly that the exception is granted by the word of God that when the authorities contradict, when the authorities go against the law of God, they must respectfully be disobeyed. This is important for us, especially because of the day and time that we live in. We have recently had problems with the false teachers and the authorities have felt the need to intervene in religious matters, which is okay. We have recently had the coronavirus, COVID, and the authorities also have felt the need to intervene because of you know, health matters, which is fine. But then the authorities should know where the boundaries lie, especially with the Christian religion. Why? Because God has been, God is, and God will forever be king over all his creatures, and especially his people. So that the authorities should be respectfully disobeyed. Uh, uh, we should disobey them respectfully if they contradict the law of God, if they go against the statutes of God. This is what we read in Acts chapter 5, verse 27 to 29. And when they had brought them, they, said, uh, they, they, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you, listen to this language, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God 
rather than men. The answer, we must obey God rather than men, that is granted there, that Peter gives, assumes that the authorities should be obeyed. You know, in fact, the authorities expected that Peter and the apostles would obey them. That's why they're they are telling them, we strictly charged you not to do this thing, not to teach in the name of Jesus. But then what you see there is allegiance to one who is greater, one who is king over all. And there you have the idea of obedience. The authorities should be obeyed unless they are in opposition to the law of God. So pay your taxes. Do honest work. Be faithful. Keep the law of the land as far as it does not contradict the law of God. Obey the authorities. Believers should be reminded, look with me at that verse, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, remind them to be obedient. They should be reminded to be obedient to the authorities. The idea here is that they're not only to submit for the sake of it, but that they should be inwardly obedient they should be obedient to the authorities they should have a godly willingness to obey the commands given by the rulers and the authorities they're not to do it begrudgingly or murmuring at the authorities christians are here to be reminded to submit to the rulers and authorities now notice that this this is the faithful christian's conduct in this dying world the world is dying. They ought to see how the people of God live in it. This command is very timely to us. In a day and time when the authorities seem to be unworthy of honor, leave alone obedience. I mean, if you consider our government, for example, the Kenyan government, would you say that it is deserving of honor if you just simply look at it? No. And you see politicians being very um, careless and vulgar in their language as they speak of the, the authorities that we have. And so it's, it's a timely command for us considering the times that we are living in. The word of God is very clear to us here. Christians must be, they should be submissive to rulers and authorities. Christians should be obedient. Now, more often than not, we desire power. And thus, then find it hard to subject ourselves to others. We desire to be the ones in power. Hmm? We think we know better. We think we know more. We think we know the way. We want to be followed rather than to follow. The Bible is absolutely clear here. That we should be submissive to rulers and authorities. We should be obedient. I'm therefore reminding you this evening to be submissive. This is not a complicated message. It's a simple reminder for you to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient to them, to show all good faith, and especially for the sake of the gospel. You see, this is one of those areas where failure, in one way or another, hinders the gospel. Failure to submit to the authorities hinders the gospel. And the Christian wants the gospel to advance. 
If you're a Christian here this afternoon, you want the gospel to go forward. You want the name of Jesus Christ to be lifted up. One of the ways that that happens is when we obey God's commands. And God's command for us here this evening is to be submissive to the rulers and the authorities. Now you realize that um, we have a message. A message that says this in a nutshell. You are a sinner. You deserve to go to hell because of your sins. You deserve to go to hell because you have offended a holy God. Sinning against this pure, uh, uh, pure God. The one who is light and dwells in an approachable light in whom there is no darkness. That is the one you have offended. And so because of that, God has damned you to hell. Saying the wages of sin is death. That's the message that we bear. That's what we tell people. But then we tell them, if you come to God, this holy God, this pure God, this perfectly righteous being, if you come to Him, through His Son that He has given, the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And we want people to come. I submit to you that the gospel in and of itself is an offensive message. And because it's offensive, we want to remove all other offenses. And oh how good God is. God tells us exactly how to remove the offenses. In this case, the way to remove other offenses is by submitting to the authorities. And we want to do this that they may hear the gospel, that they may come to the Lord Jesus Christ, that they may submit themselves to Him. Because they are in a dying world. What does it matter that they have all the, author all the authority, all the power, all the rule? What does it matter if they do not know the gospel? We want to submit to them that they may come to Jesus Christ. That we may show that we may show that we, we, we have a high authority. And this high authority, being God, has commanded us to submit to them. And then call them. Call them to come and submit to Him by His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the last phrase there in verse 1. To be ready for every good work may be applied both to the command concerning the authorities and also the command concerning everyone else. So you have this command given to the rulers and the authorities and that phrase there may be applied to, 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 to that command and uh, we have these other commands uh, regarding everyone else. And that phrase there, to be ready for every good work, may also be applied to uh, these other commands for, for everyone else. Christians being the people of God, redeemed by Him, should be prepared to do everything that is well-pleasing to the Lord. Because this is precisely why they have been saved. The Apostle has just told us in the previous chapter, chapter 2, verse 13 to 14, that our great God and Savior Jesus Christ gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession. Who are zealous for what? For good works. Last then when he says here, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. It's not a new thing that he's telling them. He has already told them that this is why we have been saved. This is why we have been saved. If you look down a bit at verse 8, chapter 3, verse 8, this is what we read. The saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things. 
so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to what? To good works. Look at verse... Um, Verse 14. And let our people learn to devote themselves to what? To good works. So as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. And so this is the thing that Christians should be devoted to. Because God has redeemed us, we should be prepared to do everything that is well-pleasing to Him. Thus then, as it is the will of God for us to be submissive to rulers and authorities as it is the will of God for us to be obedient to them, therefore, we should remember that this is part of the good works and be prepared to do it. That's what he says there. Remind them to be ready for every good work. Part of these good works is to be submit, submissive to the rulers and authorities. Number two, the Christian's conduct toward everyone else. Christian's conduct towards everyone else. We are told there in verse 2 to speak evil of no one. So this is one of those cases where this is how you read it. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. Remind them to be obedient. Remind them to be ready for every good work. Remind them to speak evil of no one. To avoid quarreling. To be gentle. And to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Now, the readiness for good works is required not only for the Christian's conduct to the authorities, but also to everyone else. We should be ready to take up God's commands, dear Christian, regarding how you relate with the authorities and regarding how you relate, how you live with everyone else, even though they are not necessarily civil authorities. Now, if you look at that text, verse 2, there are at least four things listed there that show how Christians are to conduct themselves towards everyone else. The first two are negative. It says, to speak evil of no one. Or in other words, do not speak evil of others. And then the second one, to avoid quarreling. Do not be quarrelsome. So those first two are negative. The last two are positive. To be, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. So the first two are what they are not to be and the last two are what they are to be. So you look at them uh, one, of, one after another. I'd like you to notice there that they're not, you know, these are plain commands. They're, they're not difficult. They're plain requirements. They're not complicated. You know, they're not aimed at confusing us. They're very clear, very simple. The apostle says that Christians are to speak evil of no one. The requirement here is simple. Dear Christian, you are not to speak evil of others. None should fall prey to your evil talk. Your mouth should be tamed. You should not be evil and that with your mouth to slander, to insult, to use abusive language. Now, sometimes you read the Bible and you wonder why some commands are given. And the truth of the matter is, even though we are saved, 
we still have remaining sin. And you may ask yourself, are Christians able to abuse others, to use abusive language? And the answer is, absolutely. Christians are able to insult, to abuse, to speak evil. The apostle says here, they, they are to be reminded that they are not to speak evil of others. Now, remember that you have believing Cretans living in the midst of unbelieving Cretans. And what do the, the, the prophet of the Cretans say about them? They are always liars. They are le- evil beasts. They are lazy gluttons. And these believing Cretans may fall prey to speaking evil of the unbelieving Cretans. Therefore, they are told there, they are to be reminded. Titus is told, remind them to avoid, uh, 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 to speak evil of no one. Notice there that the apostle forbids you from speaking evil of anyone. You see that? To speak evil of no one. It's not that there are some people that you may speak evil of and some that you may not. You are forbidden from speaking evil of anyone. Really. Foul speech is out of place for anyone, right? I mean, when you find someone speaking in a foul, vile way, you're disgusted at it. So, so it, it's, it's unbecoming for anyone. It is out of place for anyone, really. But for the Christian, it is a thing that should not even be spotted. It should not be spotted even a bit. The grace of God, remember, chapter 2, verse 11, has appeared to the saints. And thus then, the, the, the tongue of the Christian, your tongue, dear Christian, should be full of grace. Listen to Pastor James in James chapter 3, verse 5 to 12. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of, uh, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we cast people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth the same uh, from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Does it? No. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grape vine produce figs? Can it? No, it cannot. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And Pastor James is reminding us here of the dangers of not taming the tongue. That's why he says that these things ought not to be so. And because the tongue is a dangerous instrument, being so small but can set ablaze the whole forest, so to speak, it should be tamed. And this is the same thing that Paul is saying here to Titus. He's telling, telling, telling him, remind these saints, remind the Cretans to, be, to, to, to speak evil of no one, to be taming their tongues. 
Watch over your mouth, dear Christian. Don't be vile, foul. You should certainly not think evil of others. Right? Which will eventually cause you to speak evil of others. Be careful. Now let me call, call you here to confess. Confess of this sin and repent of it. We are all um, culprits of speaking evil of others. Backbiting. Speaking evil of our neighbors, our friends, our spouses. Speaking evil of... You know that kind of behavior where you've just... Been, you're in conflict with someone and then you you go away murmuring speaking things that are not godly or are they usually godly no they're not you go away saying things without thinking and really without honoring God the apostle says here you're not to speak evil of anyone oh how many times we have spoken evil of others how many times we have sinned like this? And we ought to ask God to forgive us. This is how we are to conduct ourselves towards others, towards everyone else. And this is how we faithfully conduct ourselves in a dying world and we become faithful witnesses of the gospel. The apostle says that Christians are to avoid quarreling in the next place, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling. Christians should not quarrel with each other and they should not quarrel with others out there. Christians should not quarrel with anyone, in other words. It should not be the habit of believers to, to be quarrelsome. You must not be a fighter. Hmm? Fighting with people all the time. Quarreling your way through everything. The Bible says here, that we are to avoid quarreling. You must not be a contentious person. You must be peaceable. That's how other translations uh, render it. Peaceable. Indeed, if you see that something will cause a fight, a conflict, a quarrel, the Bible says here that you should avoid it. You should stay away from it. Wisdom is not fighting over matters when the fight can be avoided. Wisdom is knowing how to deal with issues without quarreling with people. Believers are told here, the way they conduct themselves faithfully towards everyone else, that they avoid quarreling. You know, this, this of course does not mean that we will not be faced with situations that will tempt us to quarrel, but rather, it means that when we are faced with situations of this nature, what do we do? We know how to wisely refrain from the quarrelsome aspect of it. It may be that the matter at hand can be dealt with later, at a later time when the temperatures are low. It may be that the matter at hand needs to be left alone altogether. But the Bible categorically states here that Christians should avoid quarreling. In other words, they should be peaceable. Now, the Bible is replete with verses that speak to this matter. Let me, let me just mention a few. To the... Christian wives, listen, listen to this. It is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Men, 
Listen to this. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. And Christian pastors like myself, we are told in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. In Proverbs 21, 19, we are told of the, uh, how the Christian wives are not to be quarrelsome. In Proverbs 26, 21, we are told how men are, uh, are not to be quarrelsome. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21, we are told of how Christian ministers, the Lord's servants, how they are not to be quarrelsome with others. Now, this, this, is a, this is a serious matter. It's a serious matter because we live in this world. We, we disagree with all sorts of people. And then there's a certain way that the faithful Christian conducts himself in this dying world. There's, there's a way that we should live as regards the authorities and with everyone else. That should be a witness in and of itself that the grace of God has appeared to us. There are things that Christians must not be or have. And there are things that Christians must be or have. The next two things are those things that Christians must be. Those things that Christians must have. Now I'd like for you to notice how these how these virtues, these virtues that you are to be, these, these things that you are to have, in a beautifully synchronized way, help with those things that you are not to be. And this is what I mean. The things that you are to be are stated there. Two things. Be gentle, show perfect courtesy towards all people. Those two things very in a very in a very beautiful way help with the things that you are not to be you are not to speak evil of others and you are not to you you are not to be quarrelsome if you are gentle if you are uh, seeking to to you know to to show perfect courtesy toward all people there's a sense in which you will not you will not speak evil of others and you will not be quarreling with everyone the apostle says there in the third place that Christians are to be gentle. Christians must be humble. They must be known for their reasonableness. That's what gentleness requires. That we, we are reasonable. We reason with others. We must be considerate to others. That's what being gentle means. We must be kind to all people. Surely gentleness is the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? We must, we must be gentle. And lastly, the Apostle says that Christians... Are to show path, uh, are are to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Now notice with me that the word translate the words translated perfect and courtesy in the ESV literally mean all meekness, perfect courtesy, all meekness, or all gentleness, if you will. So that Christians are to show all meekness to all people. So when it says perfect courtesy toward all people, it's all meekness toward all people. Not some meekness to some people. Hmm? Or some meekness to all people. Or all meekness to some people. No. It is all meekness 
perfect courtesy toward all people. Those that are good to us and those that are not good to us. Those that are our friends and those that are our enemies. Those that are like like us and those that are not like us. Those whom we like and those whom we don't like. The rich and the poor. All people. We have to show all meekness to all of them. If you are meek, you will recognize yourself to be a sinner in the midst of sinners. Notice. You will not think that there are things that you deserve. You will see that even the things that God has given you are undeserved mercies upon such a wretch as yourself. This will in turn help you to show perfect courtesy toward all people. When you and I are not showing perfect courtesy, all meekness toward all people, there is a thing that we are communicating. We are communicating that we are worthy beings. That there are things that we deserve. That even the things that we have are not mercies given to us by God. And there is a sense in which we are revealing that the grace of God may not have appeared to us. Your spouse that you live with should see this from your conduct. Your roommate that you share a house with should be able to see this from your conduct. Your next door neighbor should be able to see this from your conduct. The shopkeeper, the boda boda man who carries you and frustrates you. The service providers who are careless. The barber or hairdresser who serves you, whether they do a good job or not. All these people should be able to see perfect courtesy from your conduct, dear Christian. We are to show perfect courtesy toward all people. All meekness. All meekness. Let me finish by saying that these two verses grant us the conduct of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord himself tells us in Matthew 11, 29 that I am gentle and lowly in heart. We know that he was submissive to the rulers. We know that, we know that he was obedient to them. We know that he was not one to speak evil of others. He was not one to quarrel, that quarrelsomeness. He was one, one who was gentle, meek, lowly, compassionate. Our aim, ultimately, is to look like our Lord. Our aim is, is to look like Christ. Perhaps I should ask you a question here. How much of you looks like Christ? How much of you looks like Christ? Do you wake up every day saying that today I want to look more like my Savior? Today I want to live like my Savior did. I want to follow in His steps. I want to deny myself. I want to take up my cross and follow Him. This is what these verses and all the imperatives in the Bible call the Christians. We are, we are to be submissive to the rulers and authorities. The, the commands themselves are applications. We are to submit ourselves to the authorities. We are to show all good faith that 
we are not we are not always waiting for the authorities to give us uh, the laws and 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 then we we want to oppose them no no rather we want to show all good faith we want to bring the gospel to them and then we we receive the exhortations please receive the exhortations there to speak evil of no one be careful with your mouth don't be vile don't be foul don't downplay the dangers of the tongue don't be careless don't be fighting with everyone all the time being quarrelsome hindering the gospel this is unbecoming for the man of god it's unbecoming for men in the society and it's unbecoming for the christian wives this is not how we should be be gentle seek to show perfect courtesy to all people i'm not telling you this as one that has attained them brethren this is the word of god for you it's the word of god for us that we should take that we should receive it with meekness that it should be implanted in our hearts that we should walk in this way my dear my dear saints this is the way walk ye in it let's pray father you word pierces like sword thrusts cuts through shows us our our sinfulness yet it does so for our good that we may be helped to repent to turn from our evil ways that we may know the straight and narrow path grant that this reminder would come to us clearly that we would take it that you would be glorified may we especially be careful to be faithful in this dying world that the name of jesus christ may not be maligned and that the gospel may advance may you help us lord with this this simple instructions please help us in such a way that we would know that we have been helped Sometimes you don't consider your word when we read it we just pass it by the commands that are given us here even though simple clear direct there are things that we are prone to fall uh, to to fall in every day of our lives please keep us grant that our conduct toward the authorities would be one of submission and our conduct toward everyone else would be refraining from speaking evil from quarrelsomeness being gentle being meek toward all help us with these things lord hear our prayers because we pray in the name of your son the lord jesus christ amen, amen.